0: Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsports show where super modifieds are king. Methanol is aromatic, and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Racechaser Media's Tom Baker.
1: Welcome to another Inside Groove episode. My name is Tom Baker and this is episode 36 and I got thinking over the the last week that uh, you know we do these countdown deals um, as we we start counting down the days at a Swig and everybody likes to oh it's 75 so it's Gary Albrighton or whatever days and then we all chime in with the other 75s. We never do that with the um, episode numbers on the show. So this I'm starting a new trend. End here so this is the episode 36 it's the Ron Buckner Bobby Stelter Baldy Baker once at Fulton Ray Sand Denny Wheeler for a warm-up session Chuck Siprich uh episode there <laughs> if anybody can think of any more thirty sixes, then you know, put them in the comments when you hear the show. Um, we'll just have a little fun with that going forward and see how uh, how much we can uh, chime, get our listeners to chime in on that. So, welcome to the show. We're glad to have you back for another week, and uh, we're talking racing, obviously, and talking super modifieds, and talking Motorsports Expo, and Camden Proud, who has never raced the number thirty six. Oh, wait, Mike Brubaker. I just remembered another one. Um, Camden Proud is with us. He drives a different number. Uh, and he's, he's also running around trying to help coordinate the Oswego Speedway piece of the Expo. Camden, welcome back to the show. Glad to uh, give you a chance to actually stop and sit down in one place for a few minutes and uh, get, a go, get a little rest while you're giving us an update on what's going on for this weekend's Expo in Syracuse.
2: Thanks, Tom. It's good to be back for another (laughs) week. And Thanks for starting the new trend. Hopefully I can apply that to my countdown for the rest <laughs> there you of the <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, I
1: usually try to chime in on those and and uh, work my brain a little bit. <laughs> and I just thought, why aren't we doing it with the episode numbers? It'd just be a little bit of fun week and half. So half. Uh, new trends. So next week is going to be 37, but this is 36 and I think I got them all. Um, at least of the Oswego regulars. So uh, what's going on with the Motorsports Expo. What's going on with the Oswego Speedway and super modified racing in general? What are you hearing?
2: Well, unfortunately, I haven't heard much more as far as getting any more cars at the expo. But we are really looking forward to having three full-time SBS competitors have their cars on display. Like I said last week, we'll have Greg O'Connor and Tony Pisa and Ken Moody. They'll all have their their new schemes unveiled this weekend at the expo, nice. Saturday and Sunday, March 14th and 15th, at the New York State Fairgrounds and we'll have the expo in the center of progress building and then two days of tq midget racing over in the exposition center so it'll be a busy weekend for race fans at the fairgrounds and we're just looking forward to being a part of it
1: yeah i know that uh tyler thompson and i think uh, michael barnes is running again um they're running tqs this this coming weekend uh and of course with the expo show it's gonna be a big weekend up there and should be a lot of fun uh what um What is happening at the speedway itself? I know that um, the registrations are continuing to pour in. Uh, Anybody new? Anybody significant we should talk about? Rumors? Anything going on?
2: Yeah, um, we got a few more registrations since last week. Uh, Nocotra Racing's filed both cars, full time Otto Sitterly and Allison Uh, Slode. Have another registration from Haletulip for. God knows how many full time <laughs> seasons that is in a <laughs> row, um but I love it it's it's just it's awesome his dedication and uh, I gotta be honest one of my my favorite moments out of all the the great stories we had last season at the Speedway was. Uh, pitting next to Hal and, and seeing his reaction when he ran his first sub-17 second lap. Yeah. I just thought that that was one of the coolest things. So I'm happy to have him back for another year. Well, you know, Hal is Hal
1: is just the nicest guy. And he's been a huge supporter of super modified racing in Oswego for decades now. <laughs> I mean, literally decades. Uh, And obviously at this point, he knows he's not going to go win races. That's just not um he doesn't have the program for that but he he really is the passion of Oswego Speedway and, and the passion of super modified racing that's he comes back and he does what he does because he loves it he still mm-hmm. loves it um you know gosh i don't remember what his rookie year was but i i've got to believe that he's been running darn near as long as Joe Gozik um I know that um he had I think he had a former Joya car maybe um and he 81. 81 81 so he's a year short yeah year year shy of Joe Gozik uh you know and and he had a I I think it was an old Joya car one of the old Joya cars I think um he only had it for a very short time and then he he I think he built uh His next super if i 'm not mistaken, and that 's the one that um Scott Lyons ended up with, i think uh and ran as the ninety nine for a little while and then i i 've lost i don't remember where it went but um but but how was you know how had sh- he's had some impressive moments over the years he 's just never had what wh- i how th- was one of these guys i feel like cam that the, the the cost escalated faster than his ability to keep up with it. And so, you know, much like a Billy Sharkey, for example, you know, these are guys that, you know, they, they love to race. They love to be a part of it. They're not, you know, they know they're not likely to be running up front winning races but they just want to be there and still do as well as they can. And they still, you know, want to improve. And, and yeah, how, I mean, I wish I had been standing there to, to see that. Cause those are the moments you appreciate the most because that for him was, that's probably his, you know, proudest moment. Really. Um, he's won races, he's won B mains. He's won, you know, those things, but, um, you know, heats, whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. But that for him was it was probably the career defining moment in the sense of it the effort that it took for him to get to that point you know was was i would argue bigger and it was a more spectacular and almost maybe i don't want to say unlikely but i guess i will scenario than you know i remember him winning a b main or two classic weekends and um you know i think this was a a bigger accomplishment than that in a sense um so you know good for him and and uh you know i'm i'm happy to see that he's coming back uh and of course uh nicotra racing it's uh, th- 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 great to have them back as well and i'm especially happy that allison Slote is coming back because Yep. I, I wasn't sure. I mean, I hadn't heard one way or another. I assumed she probably would. But I just think Allison brings a lot of energy and a lot of fun to the, to that team and that pit area. Um, and, you know, again, she she had a really good season last year, given that it was her first full year in an non wing super. And she went out and won a race and, I think, proved that she belonged there. And so, you know, if, uh, if she can come out this year and do as well or better, then, you know, that's
2: great. Yeah, I hope she does. Uh, it'll be great for the Speedway and, and the fan base for the Super Modifieds as a whole. And uh, actually, Bill Sharkey's another guy. They they have his car together and the motor mounted in it yeah. and it's on the ground. And Bill will actually be back this year as well. So that's that's another potentially full-time guy that uh, we actually didn't mention last week. So um, hopefully that gets together well and, and we'll see Bill up at the open practice. I know that's his plan as of right now. So
1: well, Billy told me that he um, he told me online, I don't know, a week or two ago, that he was going <laughs> to be ready for opening day. So, really, that's yeah, great. that's what he said. He said it will be their opening day, and you know, I love that he's running the number fifty nine because it's one of those numbers that, you know, for someone like myself who's been around the track a while, it it automatically just thinking about the number it throws you back to Ernie and Bob June, and I know that's why he's doing it because he drove for them for a while toward the tail end of their. Uh, ownership of of supers and those guys were again dedicated and they were part of a group that weren't driver owners they were owners and they were they were owners who you never knew who was going to be in the 59 from one week to the next. It seemed um, they were kind of in a in a group with Herm Graff and Steve Miller um, and even Ralph Wissing to a point. Although Gary Kelly was fairly consistent with Ralph for quite a while, and then he moved on to some other guys that that also had some longer stints. But the 59 car, my gosh, if we sat here when we get to episode 59, I'll have a long list to read uh, <laughs> because they were around the track for a long time and had a lot of drivers, and I'm sure. I will probably miss a couple that were before my time but um I just you know I think it's great that Billy's uh kind of tributizing them with that the number and again I don't know that Billy is going to go out and run for wins but you know what Billy's going to have a great time and you know that's you need those people in the pit area um who can go out and you know and, and do well um, and tr- keep trying to do better uh that's the personality of the pit area that you know so i'm excited that he's coming back and and i know that if billy were in the right equipment you know you drop him in uh, auto's car or you know whatever um i know billy runs it the way that it, it would be run i i believe that billy has the talent to run up front you know he's just not going to have the resources that the top teams have so um but he's going to have a whole lot of fun, and like I said, you need guys like Billy and Hal in the pit area, and um, they're throwbacks again. It's it's still connection <laughs> yep. backaways, right? So um, that's fun. That's uh, it's good to see. Who else? Uh, any any other new uh, registrations?
2: Uh, that's pretty much it for the supers. I can I can tell you who's registered so far. We have Brandon yeah. Ballinger commitment, Otto Sitterly commitment, and we talked about last week Mike McFedda and Danny Sherry registering. Jamie Timmons also registered, won't be full-time. I think he'll kind of dabble back and forth as he did last season. Yeah. Allison slowed. Commitment, obviously. Bobby Bond, no commitment there. I think the plan is to maybe run three or four races. Now, Dave is he... A commitment car.
1: Do we know... Uh, didn't mean to interrupt you there. Do we know if Bobby's got, still got the, the 47, or is he running the... Because uh, I... I had heard that one or both of them were for sale, and I thought I heard that one of them was sold. Um, do we know which car he's got?
2: Well, I know that the car that he ran last year in the Classic was the 25. Yeah. And they they kind of converted that over to IFS for, for Tyler Schulich to race, when he came out and ran the Classic. Yeah. And I think the initial plan was for Tyler to be in the car for Classic last year. Yeah. And he just couldn't make it because of his commitments with Thor Sport. So Bobby ended up being in it. And I think from what I have at least been told this year is that Bobby will continue to run that car. And that Tyler might make a few races with the 47. I haven't heard that either cars. Really? Interesting. Interesting. i know tyler's made a couple posts about how he's looking forward to getting back in a super a few times this year and i i think that's the plan right now um i i see on the countdown i used the other day with with mike bond denise his car owner did get on and say that mike planned to run select races and, and bobby select races as well but we also received commitment payment from Mike so <laughs> i'm not really sure it's 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 always hard to say with with those bond brothers but we'll see uh, i think they'll both be back at least for several races and hopefully Tyler too
1: see i think that's that's intriguing to me because you've you've got obviously a newer style hawk and then Bobby's was an old extreme chassis if i remember right yep um but he's converted it now that we of course we've had IFS now for a few years but now being able to do that, if Bobby's going to drive it, that means he's made the choice that he feels like he has, um, you know, the ability to go run up front and, and chase wins with that car. Seeing that the IFS would have made that much of a difference. So that's kind of intriguing. And and, and then you're, you're basically giving up a car that has been a proven winner and proven fast uh, and and maybe putting Tyler Shulick in it. So that's, Um, that would be intriguing to me if he made that choice and, but either way, it would be good to have Bobby back when, um, when he can, or when he wants to, and it would be great to see Tyler back up here. Tyler's done well for himself. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see, you know, the work that he's doing with Thor sport. That's a good outfit. And, and he's obviously, um, you know, spent some time there now. So, uh, you know, and he, Tyler's a kid who can. He he runs up front in anything he drives, so he's, yeah. uh, he's a fun kid to watch. So that would be good to have him back.
2: Yeah, I really hope he does come back. I, I enjoyed talking to him, and obviously it was very impressive in, in the, the little time he did have in the the Super and, and SBS win as well. So um, that would be great. And that car, actually, Bobby's car, is the car that he won, I think it was 2010. Yeah. He won Cane of Wayne's and Classic with yep. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then one of the years that ended up on the the backstretch upside down in the classic. That's so. right too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, he did. it's nice that it's kind of found a, a new life.
1: Well, yeah, and that's why I said I think it's interesting that if if in fact Bobby is going to run that over the forty seven, and of course I you know I've never really quite understood, and I, I don't I say this purely as it as it means not I'm not implying anything here. I've never quite understood. Um, exactly the relationship between Bobby and Denise, other than he drove for Denise for a while, obviously with the 47, the 25 has always been his, so um, if he mm-hmm. would choose to drive the older car, I don't know what, you know, again i don't want to imply anything just to say that that it's interesting that he would go back to running his own car over you know uh the newer car that that um denise has and it may be that denise doesn't want to run the car full time or as much as bobby might want to run who knows um but um you know that's been a a very uh productive relationship over the years for sure yeah, to say the least sure has. you know and and with mike as well on the on the um sbs side so um, you know, just be interesting. But it'll be good to have no matter which car he decides to run. Be good to have him back at the track, and um, yeah. you know, good to uh, see that Mike's coming back as well, and good to see that Tyler may be back. Um, you know, uh, the we need all the cars we get, so For um, sure. yeah. yeah, it's all good. Anything new other than Mike um, on the SBS side or on the three fifty super
2: side? Nope, nothing really new on the SBS side. Just just those rookies. Okay. Um. And we talked about last week. I think I said, "Oh no, I stopped at Bobby." um yeah. Dave Danzer registered for commitment. tulip as well. We oh, talked then, about him okay. and, and Todd Stoll. So those are our super registrants. Okay. Yeah, we have the same deal as last week: Ken Moody, Mark Denny, Steve Flack, Matt Germain, Derek Hilton, and then we got Mike Bond. Okay. Um, and those will all be commitment cars. So that's encouraging. 350, I did get a registration for Vern LaFave. Wow, that's awesome. So Good for that's, him. Uh, that's a story to get on top of here as we get closer to the to the season, obviously, yeah. with the, the circumstances and what happened last year. It'll just be great to see him back in a race car at a Speedway.
1: Yeah, that's a praise-the-Lord moment right there, because, I mean, I feel I, I view the, the Vern LaFave crash the same way I view the Ryan Newman crash in mm-hmm. Daytona. Yep. It's just it's a miracle. I mean that's that it both of them could have been, you know, much, 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 much worse. And um it'll be great. Vern is a great guy and again, he's not just a swiggo, but racing in general. Um, he just loves it, and you you want those people to be able to continue to do their thing as long as they want to, and um, so that's good that
2: Vern is uh, going to be coming back. Do we know what uh, do we know what car he has? Um, I I kind of do, and I I, I kind of don't. It's one of those rumor things that I've oh. kind of been back and forth on. It's a Maldoon car. I know oh. that much. I don't know which Maldoon car it is. Well, he's driven for Mike. He drove, he ran Mike's. Didn't
1: he run a couple of classics in Mike's cars or ran some? Do I remember him? Was it him or was it someone uh, else? I'm trying to I, remember. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm thinking back. Uh, gosh, I don't know. I can't remember who it was. I think somebody, the year that Brian drove, Brian Sobus drove the 60 car. Brian's going to be our guest here in a few minutes. Um, mm-hmm. Gosh, I think it was Vern that was running one of mike's cars that year in the classic i remember but uh at any rate it'd be good to have him back and um you know good to see him back on the track so that's a that's a great thing so we uh how many 350s then do we have uh registered already
2: uh there's five registered right now okay
1: and we Uh, we know of at least three or four more right that haven't right yeah right yeah so um, we're probably, I would guess, what maybe a dozen.
2: I, yeah, I mean, I think that's realistic. Anywhere from ten to twelve weeks yeah. is what I'm hoping for, and then uh, sprinkle in some of the New England guys like yes. uh, Stephen dufily and, and John Leonard have, have already registered. So that's oh, cool. That's good too. So yes, yeah, <laughs> Stephen was tough to beat last year. He came up and won a lot of races. So. Yeah, um, you
1: can't beat the experience. That's, no, you know, I think no. those guys, th- the first year, those guys obviously out-experienced our guys. Yep. I think when you get to this year, the guys that ran last year and got the track time and, you know, some of them showed speed, but then, you know, we're having issues with motors or whatever, if... If we can get them to just step up just a little bit and have better luck, um, you know, I think I think you'll see more of those guys that are that are chasing Steven and, and able to race with him. I think that was just because uh, most of the New England guys that came, um, you know, finished up front, and I feel like that was more about experience in at least in 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 large part than it was anything else the new the oswego guys were you know dialing in the cars and figuring the whole thing out and you know whatever so um i don't know that i feel like it's going to be so kind of one-sided as maybe it was last year when those guys came up so you know at least i hope not you know we could get them up right. there and and um right. make it a little more competitive but um yeah steven's a a good guy and a and a obviously a, a a great shoe in that division um you know i don't know why he's not running a super for crying out loud he's you know he's one of those guys that's like gosh you know you know where there's some super modified why yeah why isn't he doing that um you know i hope he moves up him and jeffrey battle both i think are right. talented enough to you know and would add a great deal to isma uh should they do that so yeah. Um, But anyways, that's all good. Uh, And, of course, the schedule is set. Um, What else is new? What else is going on uh, at the Speedway?
2: Well, I read uh, Bob Andrews' comment on on Facebook last week about John Testarario having a 350, and I I did not know that. (laughs) I did know that uh, Pat Strawn has a frame that he's had in his shop for a while now, and I think what it actually is is the car, I don't know if you remember this or not, Jerry Kern got hooked in a heat race, and he, like, climbed the front stretch wall, rode the wall down into turn one. Oh, like, wow, yeah, I, I do remember that, actually. I, I think it's that car. Um, and they, they clipped it, and Pat is is redoing it. So it's it's either that car that he's in or it's the older West four-bar car. See that's what I don't, I don't know, what, know if it's that or not. That's but.
1: what I would have fir- first thought. I didn't realize he had yeah. another frame. Um, so I mean, obviously, I don't know which one, but yeah, it was funny because, and, and this is, you know, it's like we we try to be in touch, but it's hard to know everything that's going on out there unless someone tells us. So you you accidentally <laughs> right. gave me a great segue to to once again say to those who are listening to the show um, if you know of something that's going on, whether it's Oswego, any of the divisions at Oswego, or uh, 350, or Smack at STAR, or ISMA, or MSS, or the West Coast, I think I covered it all. Um, it doesn't matter. We want to be the news source. The problem is, we don't know what's going on unless somebody actually tells us. Um, just go to the Inside Groove Facebook page and send us a message. Um, you know, or send me a, a message on my page or, or Cam. Yep. Um, you know, we're all pretty available, and so um, you know, if 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 you know something that's going on, let us know because. And again, you know, a lot of people have uh, are are having fundraisers and such. We want to promote those too, but you got to tell us. Don't assume that we just see it online because. You know, if you post something at four o'clock by five o'clock, it's out of most people's feeds. So, you know, unless they go to a group or go look, you know, don't assume that we see it just make sure we have it in our hands and we'll be happy to get the word out for you. That is, that is something that we really want to do. So um yeah, but Absolutely. that's, that's yep. great that uh, John's coming back and I, and I um I'm happy. I did not realize cause I had heard that he was doing something, but I didn't realize that Pat was involved and I'm happy about that because Pat's a great guy. And yeah. obviously yep. they've been kind of, you know, on the sidelines for the last couple of years. And, you know, I'm glad that he can at least have, uh, has got some way to kind of get back into it. Um, Whether it's, I don't know if he's going to, you know, um <laughs> excuse me. And maybe, you know, better, but I don't know if he's just helping them build the car, if he's going to be part owner and, you know, they're going to run it together or what the situation is. Again, maybe somebody can let us know, but yeah, that'd be great. You know, um, but either way, I'm just happy to see that he's back uh back in 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 the uh the fold and back kind of working mm-hmm. on the car. So, um and John's a, a great shoe. So, that's going to be a nice addition to the 350 class.
2: It will. Yeah, it's, it's great to see him involved again. I know it's been a few years. I think he came back and ran one classic maybe it was 17 or or 16 and he hasn't been back since. Yeah. He did register last year and uh never never showed up obviously. So, I I would like to think maybe it's it's the car that Strong's have been trying to sell as a roller, but then again, I know the other car that, that Kern had and and wrecked has kind of been like Pat's back project, so to speak. Interesting. Um, yeah, it's just you know the the Strons. It's it's nice to to see them involved again. Very yeah. very passionate, been involved for a long number of years, and I know Pat and Terry want to be involved as as much as possible, whether it's it's helping Jerry Kern out like they've done for so many years or or owning a car or helping John, and, and they've they've been a big help to us as well. He, he was actually, Pat was fixing our rear end for our car a couple of weeks ago, so I guess oh, I really? should have went out and, and got the scoop when when my dad was out there with him. So I'll have to follow up and, and get the See, details. See, I keep for-
1: telling you you need to spend more time in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> look what i would find out if exactly I see even <laughs> it's not even just working on the car it's the gossip see yeah, um gotta get the gossip gotta get the gossip uh well yeah i remember i uh, this is a funny story too and and i every time i think about Pat or terry i they were they were nuts enough to let me tag along with them to uh um to michigan for one year um i think jerry was I can't remember if Jerry was driving still or it was O Now that I think about it, but um, I think it was Jerry still. But anyways, we we went to uh, they they raced isma raced at Kalamazoo and Berlin, and you know I can remember being in the truck and we drove through. I think it was Detroit, like downtown Detroit, at like one or two in the morning, and with a, a, a super modified on an open trailer. That's. Uh, <laughs> and it's kind of like you just you know um you you say a prayer and hope that you make it uh kind of thing um not necessarily the best part of the country to be to be driving through but we uh we had a great time that was fun berlin was um i could i could share this because it it was one of those moments in my time in the sport that i think is one of my all-time favorite moments berlin's berlin i don't know have you ever been to berlin no, never. They have... I don't think they... I don't think it's this way anymore. I think they built one on the on the outside of the, the track. But their, their tower, um, officials tower, where you announced and scored and whatever from, used to be on the inside of the track. So it was like in the infield, um, in the pit area. So, um, you know, you're the announcer, which was me, because that's why I went. I was announcing the two shows. The... Um, the announcer faced the grandstand, and at berlin they they basically had to they had a full house i mean they had standing room only um, it was a huge crowd and as i was as i was you know the day went along. The group in turn four that were sitting in the grandstand, um, you know, it's kind of, it was kind of a turn four crazies thing. Like, you know, you could say the word fish and they would scream for no reason. It was, just, they were a really enthusiastic <laughs> bunch. And so I had this idea. This was back when, um, back when Miller Lite was doing the taste great less filling commercials so you get two people arguing you know taste great less filling taste great so i ended up <laughs> i ended up doing this thing we were i think it was the intermission before the feature started i ended up get getting turned four. Versus the rest of the front stretch grandstand. And first it was just who could scream the loudest. And then, then I thought of the Miller Lite thing. So it was taste great, less filling, taste great, less filling. And, and again, I had some of the, the, the teams were telling me after the show that they actually stopped working on their cars and jumped up on top of the trailer because all they could hear was people screaming. They had no idea why. Like they just, it was, that was one of the more, um, fun <laughs> moments of my career, just, uh, but that trip was, was a lot of fun. And, and, uh, you know, of course, I, I worked with Terry for a little while, um, at, uh, when it was, it was James Way back then, um, and now it's, uh, where Price Chopper is now. But, um, so, you know, they've been friends a while and I I really uh appreciated them allowing me to to go along on that trip. So, yeah, there's a there's a little bit of a, a story for us for the show this week, but that's just one of those memories that I'll never forget cuz you know, when you're announcing, you want to try to have fun and you're trying to you don't want to be the show, but you want to help you wanna in some way, you know, make people appreciate the show and, and those it was it was irresistible. Turn four was just those guys were and I don't know if they were all drunk out of their mind or what, but they were they were rowdy as it gets. So that was a fun that was a fun time. Um but uh okay, so um any other news that we need to pass along? Uh is my MSS anything? Um, I think
2: That's pretty much it. I know we kind of jumped all over the place, but um, no, I haven't heard anything too pertinent as far as any ISMA stuff or or MSS to this point so far.
1: Okay, so let's talk about, uh, go back to the expo then, because I don't want to let you go without reminding everybody of times and what's going on, so run us through the schedule for the weekend um for the expo show, and also what you know from from the uh t q races as well for anybody that might be driving in
2: sure yeah we're just we're just setting up for the expo friday night, and uh then everybody's going over to the the exposition center for the indoor auto racing finale and it's it's the it's the conclusion of the three race championship, so the the points championships obviously for all three divisions will will be coming to a close. Uh, racing Friday at 7:30. Both days we'll have all three divisions: TQ midgets, champ carts, and and slingshots. So 7:30 on Friday, 7 o'clock on Saturday, and then Tyler Thompson and and Michael Barnes will be racing both nights for for super modified fans keeping track. And um, Michael Barnes doing really well, honestly, in his yeah. first his first attempt at this. They're 11th and 12th in points, respectively. So that's that's uh, very good. Really, very good. Out of fifty-something competitors, for sure, be sitting up there, uh, especially Barnes in his first season. So, looking forward to watching them. Uh, like I said, Oswego Speedway going to sponsor the heat races this weekend. Fifty dollars going to each preliminary winner in the TQ Midget division on both days, and that's that's pretty much the, the racing the racing aspect of it. Um, great place for a race. It's it's beautiful in there. It, wasn't, it, didn't, it didn't smell too bad for all the people that complain about the, the and <laughs> stuff indoors. They've,
1: they've got it vented pretty well? That's it's good.
2: It's vented pretty well. I, I didn't mind it at all, actually. I was pretty impressed, so I'm looking forward to it. Well, that's um, good. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be, a, it'll be a fun time. The expo itself, 10 to 8 on Saturday and 11 to 4 Sunday, $13 for adults, $5 for kids 6 to 12 and 5 and under free, or if you're coming both days, there's a a two-day pass for $20, and the schedule for everything is at SyracuseMotorsportsExpo.com
1: com. Okay, uh, well it, uh, it's getting closer uh, the Expo obviously is I guess you could say in a way the unofficial start to the season in central New York and you get to see uh, some of the new cars and stars and uh, see what's going to be going on throughout the year so um, you know, hope everybody has a good time and enjoys the TQ races as well, that is Camden Proud and uh, Cam of course as always will keep us up to date on everything that's going on at Oswego as we move along Eat with each week's show. So uh, appreciate you coming back on, Cam. We know you got a lot of work to do to get things ready for uh, the weekend, so we'll let you get back to it and look forward to a wrap-up on next week's Inside Groove.
2: Thanks, Tom. Looking forward to it.
1: That is Camden Proud, and we're going to step aside for a moment when we come back. The bus. Brian Sobis, going to join us to talk about his return to small block racing, SBS style, with Andrew Shartner. I'm telling you, this is going to be the most entertaining pit area in all of the infield uh, to be in next year, uh, this year, I should say. And um, we're going to talk to Brian about that uh, when we come back. So stick around. We'll be back with more of Inside Groove right after this is your job sucking the life out of you wake up you can do something else information technology i know what you're thinking but i'm not a math or science person no excuses no problem it's not rocket science it's my computer career helping people start an it career is their thing If you don't absolutely love what you do, go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today. You can start your new life as an information technology professional in as little as four months. Attend classes on campus or live online just two or three times a week to get what you'll need to start your new career. More than just a school, My Computer Career helps you get into the industry by working with hundreds of employers that hire their students. My computer career is nationally accredited and financially it is available for those who qualify, including the GI Bill. Classes start soon, so go take the career evaluation now at mycomputercareer.edu. Mycomputercareer.edu. That's mycomputercareer.edu. Welcome back to Inside Groove as we continue with episode 36, and Brian Sobis has joined us now, and this is fun because I've known Brian, um, I was thinking about this actually uh, last week when I found out that he and Andrew Sharter were going to team up. Known Andrew since he was about nine years old, I was trying to remember when I first met Brian Sobis, and I think I've got it pinned down to Frozen Ocean Motorsports Park, which was a a dirt go-kart track up in uh, central New York outside of Auburn and I think it was 2001 uh, the nearest I can come up with I think I'm, I'm on track there I was announcing and Brian showed up and started racing there and um you ended up at a Swigo and, and you've had a pretty decent career there, Brian, and um, now you're going to get a chance after being out of the seat for a little bit. You're going to get a chance to get back in and team with a really good friend in Andrew Shartner and run some races in the SBS division again. Talk about how that all came together from your perspective.
3: Well, I'm, first, I'm I'm really excited to race with Andrew and Carl. They're they're great people. I've known them for a long time and uh, very good friends of mine. And they're first class people all the way. Um, Andrew Andrew took part of the season off last year. Um, kind of you know, team owner Tom Osierud's kind of stepped aside and and decided he was about done doing it. And they were looking for some help. Working on a car at the track mainly, and I talked to Andrew, and he said, "Hey, if you you know if you could come and help me at the track, that would be great." I said, "Hey, I'm there," and um, that was kind of how that started, and, and then wasn't long after that we kind of got fast forwarding to this year. Uh, Carl and Andrew had both kind of said that they. Andrew wasn't going to race full time. They they want to race full time, but Andrew can't make that commitment anymore. Right. And asked if it was something that I'd be interested in, in driving again. And yeah, I mean I've kind of been chomping at the bit to do it. I I just I can't really. It's not feasible for me to own my own equipment and stuff. I, I just I just can't do it anymore. Um, so you know, here comes a deal where I can run part time. It's it's not my car. It's you know I. Still working on a car, but it's not—it's not my whole deal. Right? <clears throat> yeah, a little different for
1: you now. Uh, you know that you got a family, and um, of course, uh, work responsibility. And you know, it's—it's it's just tough to tough to do it yourself. And I know you and Andrew go back a long way. And Andrew talked—I uh, don't know if you had a chance to listen to the last week's show, but Andrew talked about the similarity in your driving styles. And one of the things I focused on was the fact that the two of you were were two of the only drivers or have been two of the only drivers that I've seen really master the top line at Oswego and the SPS. We had Dave Grohl and maybe one or two others that have done pretty well up there too. But um, I think the two of you were, um, you know, or are, Two of the guys that are just not afraid to put the car up there. Talk about what it's like to run the top, and and just talk about
3: what Andrew said a little bit. Do you agree with his assessment? Yeah, I mean sometimes it can be pretty hairy, but man, I, I just I would get so frustrated. You can't you can't give up seven or eight laps in a row of trying the trying the inside. You know, you you'll give up the whole feature and not go anywhere. So. You know, a lot of times if the car if the car seems to work out there, you can really make up a lot of ground and get by guys, and and you know it works. And not a lot of guys, not a lot of guys will go to the outside, so you're kind of going somewhere they won't. And um, I think we've always been pretty successful in and getting by, probably more cars on the top than on the bottom at Oswego.
1: And that's kind of interesting to me because you just like I said you don't see a lot of guys doing that and Andrew made the point that it was probably a little more fun before when you were on the smaller tires and and everybody was kind of sliding around a little bit and now they've gone to you know the 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 bigger tires and and the tires have more grip and and you've got you know kind of more a little more arrow so to speak in the cars um, but nonetheless it's uh it's still a competitive division. And now with the Crate Motors, you're seeing some guys have a shot to be competitive that maybe weren't as competitive before. And the division seems to be in the midst of a real bounce back. We've got about five or six new guys coming in and, you know, to run the class. So uh, it seems like at least that um, in terms of car count, it's going to be a good year to be in the SBS class. And therefore, I would think a fun year for you to come back and mix it up.
3: Yeah, the the division's definitely on an upswing. I mean, they had a tough year last year, first year with the Crate Engines, you know. But boy, it it took off. Uh, probably a little bit better than I think it would for this year. What is there? Like five or six rookies yeah. this year? That's un unbelievable yeah <laughs> um you know it's it's going to be really tough and it always is really tough that class is. it didn't matter when there was 14 cars or last year it's still really tough to get yeah. top five yeah you know that's for sure there's definitely there's never been any real lack of talent in that class at all i mean trust me i i'm I know I'm going to have my work cut out for me, and I haven't really made a race car go fast in five years, so <laughs> I just hope I can remember how to make a race car go fast.
1: Oh, I, th- I, th- I think you'll remember. I don't think you're going to have any problem with that. Um, now, let's go back a little bit. So you started racing go-karts, and you live in Auburn, or lived in Auburn, and, and you, you know, you were kind of in the midst of all the dirt track stuff that was going on at the time, and yet you you migrated toward a Um, Was that a decision based on the fact that you just wanted to go pavement racing, or was there some other reason that you decided to uh, to go that route instead of maybe doing something on the dirt at Weedsport and some of the tracks that are almost literally right or were almost literally right in your backyard at that
3: time? Oh, it's it was all my grandfather's fault. It was all his fault. <laughs> <laughs> um, he took me to a Swigo. Since I was probably six or seven years old, every week we went to the races together. And um, there was nothing more I wanted to do when I got old enough than to start racing at Oswego. And yeah, Weed Sport was in my backyard and rolling wheels was even closer. Yeah. And honestly, I would go to the, I would go to the dirt tracks here and there, but I never had a ton of interest in it. It was always Oswego Speedway. For me. That's interesting. And and, and you were an Otto
1: Sitherly fan growing up as I remember that. Your your carts were all Otto seventy nine and, and that was you were you were a big fan and I would even go so far as to say um a bit of a protege of of, of uh
3: Otto's. Yeah, I, in my younger years I was always a diehard Jamie Moore fan. Uh, My father used to help him work on his car during the week, so I I was kind of born into being a Jamie fan, Um, and once I saw auto racing in the Limiteds, I was immediately a fan. Um, he, He always impressed me. And so I've always been an auto fan since that since that time.
1: Well, you certainly have some similar qualities in terms of being smooth and and yet knowing when to be aggressive. And you've always been a driver that's really liked the long races, even in go karts. They had the used to have the Ironman race, and and you know you you were always good in the longer events. What is what is it about your your driving style or your mentality that you think favors that?
3: I don't know. I, I guess I've never been the type to just go flat out right from the start. Uh, you know, I, I kind of like to try and conserve the car a little bit. So a longer race seems to suit me a little bit better. You know, the classic, you know, you get in the second half of the race and guys are spinning their tires and they've totally worn out their equipment and the first hundred laps and they got nothing left. They're hanging out for dear life. And, you know, a lot of times I'll still have a pretty decent car under me because I'll, you know, Go drive half throttle for the first half of the race and save the car for the second half i've just kind of always been more of a conserving driver
1: yeah yeah conservative driver that's a good that is a good way uh, to actually i think that's a, a a great way to talk about your driving style um very smart Driver, um, you know, able to to save equipment. Uh, you've watched a Swiggo evolve over the years, and both the SBS and the the super modified class. Um, what's your opinion of of the racing of the Swiggo in in both divisions? Because you've been involved with both of them, and obviously you're coming back to run the
3: SBS. Honestly, there's there's no better bang for your buck than an SBS right now. You can get into those cars pretty reasonably, you know obviously the engines aren't that expensive there's a good tire rule and the s b s division right now is is probably going to be stealing some people from the dirt sportsman division um and what can I say about the supers i mean i I love supers I always have, and they are the coolest race car you could ever drive we- and i i man i could keep you up all night with all my would have, could have, should have, could have won a race here or there, but we just never were able, never quite got the job done to win a feature, finished second a few times. But um, it, unfortunately, it's, it's a, definitely a rich man's division. And, man, I just, I can't, <laughs> I can't keep up with it.
1: Yeah, there's no question. It It takes a lot, that's for sure. Would you get back into a super if you had the right situation?
3: Oh, I would kill to, I would kill to get back into the supers. They're just... They are so much fun to drive.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. Um, but running the SBS with Andrew and you talk about you. You, you say that Andrew will probably run more races than you. Uh, Andrew said last week, if you get in the car and start winning a race or two, um, he's probably going to just let you keep going. So um, we we could have a little bit of an intra squad competition going on here. Well, that's probably why he's going <laughs> to run more races than I will. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> You're lacking some confidence here, miss <laughs> No, I know. I mean, it'll it'll probably take me a couple of weeks to really get like reacquainted with it, and maybe I can get enough practice that I'm kind of more comfortable in the car going into the first race for me. But it's going to take a little bit of getting used to. Um, I haven't driven one in seven years. And Has it been that going, long? Going from wow. a Super back to an SBS is actually a tougher transition than going from an SBS to a Super in my eyes. Why? You just you have to manhandle the cars. They don't have the rubber. They, I mean, they don't, they don't handle half as good as a Super. The Supers almost drive themselves. I mean, you, you pretty much drive themselves to the corners and just get it pointed straight and mash the throttle down the straightaway. I mean, the Supers honestly drive a little bit easier and and in my opinion i think they're actually a little bit easier car to drive than an sps
1: well that that would make sense though given the the uh like you said the wider tires and of course you know the offset and and all that i mean it's a it's almost a different car i mean I, i you know i don't i don't really feel like i'm insulting the the class when I say that the SBS car is not a super modified it's an, it, it's it's kind of its own thing uh, you know they've they've kind of it used to be uh, like an IMCA car without a roof um, and and now it's 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 really kind of its own dog it's kind of a you know a one off sort of car um, that that really is not anything related to a super modified other than perhaps they look Somewhat Similar sort of in some ways, but, um, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think, um, what's your opinion of the, of Oswego bringing in the 350s? Cause I feel like it makes the absolute perfect step ladder now because you can go from a go kart to an SBS car. Um, and I say go kart to SBS for those who don't know. Oswego has the dirt cart track in the back. And, and so this is, you know, again, there's a progression from a go kart to an entry level SBS car to a 350 super and hopefully at some point you can get to a you know a regular super what do you think about that
3: i think those 350 cars are great um they're gonna take off i don't know i think they're gonna probably get a few more cars this year than they had last year which is awesome you know i think give it another year or two and that's going to be a a damn good division yeah they've already put on some really good races and especially when the new england guys come into town so they actually have a full field you know they're they're, they got 18 20 cars um they put on a really good race and it's only going to get better yeah i agree i mean i just i
1: think right now Oswego speedway is poised for long-term success with this three-class setup that they've got and i love that they're bringing in some other divisions this year too that we haven't seen in a while of course the super stocks will be back um but the um you know the uh sportsman modifieds and uh the Midwest Compact Touring class that's coming classic weekend i think is going to surprise a lot of people those those guys are very serious about what they do and uh i'm looking forward to being at uh, lucas soil raceway in indy in june for the four division show with um the Midwest Super Series and the must see sprints and the and the uh, Midwest Compacts and the super uh, the um, the uh, super uh, boy I'm going to screw this up the stock car Super Series that's uh, that's running there um, Super Cup Stock Car Series that four division show is going to be a big show and I think it's great that Oswego is bringing some newer divisions in for people to see I think it's it makes it a lot of fun and and uh, I love the schedule this year
3: yeah i mean they're they're definitely showing that they're dedicated to uh keeping that place alive and making it go yeah and uh yeah that's you know what it's they're doing a good job with it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So uh,
1: Andrew says he's going to start the season, and then uh, around June you get your shot, and you're going to be able to, of course, you'll both practice it, I'm sure, preseason. Um, but uh, you got to be looking forward to this, right, just getting back in the saddle and having some fun with Andrew and Carl and the
3: rest of the group? I'm really looking forward to it. You, you know what? There's really no pressure. Other than, you know, Andrew's Andrew's going to harass me a little bit here and there. But, um, oh, you'll aside give it from back. That, I mean, <laughs> it's really just go out and have fun. Yeah. You know, Carl just wants to have fun. He wants to do some more racing. And it doesn't matter if we finish first or if we finish fifth or whatever. We're, we're Honestly, my objective is to just go have some fun.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think that's I think that's a given with 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 that group. Um, you know, I mean, we've all known each other for years, and you know, you and Andrew have been good friends, and Carl, and I mean, it's just. Uh, that's that's going to be a, a a fun place to be on Saturday nights and uh you know to be able to be in the pit. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to getting up there uh when I can and and hanging out with you guys. Um but you know it's it's great to see you coming back and you know I know that it was tough for you to let the super super go because that was kind of um I mean first of all, I still say it was one of the prettiest cars I've ever seen at Swiggo, but second of all, um you know I know that was you know that was kind of your your dream to be able to have that, so I know it was hard to let it go, but um at least you're gonna get to come back and run some races in the s b s and who knows what the future brings
3: yeah i'm I'm definitely very excited, and I can't thank uh, Carl and Andrew enough for um considering me to do it you know I've been out of the game for a while now, and um it's pretty cool that they, um, they, you know, thought of me to do this.
1: Well, it's going to be a lot of fun and we're looking forward to seeing what you can do. Uh, we appreciate you giving us a few minutes to talk to us about it and reintroduce yourself to, uh, the uh the fans and i'm sure that we're going to be seeing the 18 car up front with both of you behind the wheel uh and again it should just be uh a lot of fun and it's great that carl is able to do this and uh the team and and the sponsors that they've got to kind of come together to uh field that car full time because obviously the more cars we have the better
3: yeah definitely
1: all right, well, that's Brian Sobus, and we will be back with more of Inside Groove right after these words.
4: Everyone knows Strutmasters is the suspension experts for luxury vehicles, and now we offer motorcycle products. Introducing Easy Rider Complete Motorcycle Air Suspension brought to you by strutmasters.com. You can raise and lower your bike with the flip of a switch. Take those long rides with the ultimate comfort of Easy Rider Air Shocks. They're backed by Strutmasters, and you won't believe the low price. Check out Easy Rider Motorcycle Air Suspension at strutmasters.com.
1: Welcome back to Inside Groove as we continue with episode number 36, and we are now joined by a driver that I've been really looking forward to interviewing at some point over this offseason, and um, he and I had a conversation last week about something entirely different, and we'll be addressing that uh, on a future show, but um, we, uh, we're going we're gonna to talk with Mike Muldoon Sr. here, and um, Mike, first of all, thanks for taking the time to do this. I know that you're busy. You guys are building cars like crazy and, uh, getting close to the season for, uh, Michael. But, uh, I want to start this interview, um, the way that we generally start most interviews for the drivers that I call legends, the older guys who are no longer racing. Um, you grew up obviously with your dad racing. Tell me what your, your dad drove a ton of different cars at what point in your dad's career it does your first memory of, of going to watch him race or who was he driving for, tell us about that period. Well, the first
4: the first year he raced was 1968, and I went to the races with him. I was eight years
1: old. Oh, okay. So you were old enough yeah. even when he started. Yeah, first, okay, first
4: race that he you know, used to ride with him. Matter of fact, uh, we had a you know, big family, and we only had one vehicle. So my father had a motorcycle, and he used to strap me on the motorcycle at eight years old. And, oh, no uh, kidding. And ride from Volonsville to a Swiggle. <laughs> well, now that must have been a bunch of fun for an eight-year-old. Well, he had he had a big belt, and he used to strap me around him because I'd fall asleep, and he was worried about me falling off.
1: Oh. <laughs> so he used to put a belt on around both of us. I've I've never known anybody to want to fall asleep on a motorcycle before. Well, when you're years old, that happens. <laughs> I guess, yeah, that's that's pretty funny. That's so you sure. you were around for your dad's whole career, um, oh, yeah, and you saw him. You know, obviously he he went back and forth, drove for a lot of different people, some of them multiple times. You know, yep. it, do you have these? Are there any? Story the worries that come to mind, anything that, that jumps out at you when you think about your dad's uh, driving over the years and all the times he spent. Well, by, by the time
4: by the time he we made him me and Jimmy Isaac made him a car. Yes, it was nineteen eighty four, and by that time he was so crippled that he couldn't race. And when yeah. he could race, all he did is drive junk. Yeah, and I mean, he drove for Bob Graf his first year, his rookie year. I mean, I can remember the classic in sixty eight. There was I don't know. 55, 60 cars there, Yeah. and you know he qualified two time trials, and you know, um, Nolan Swift, you know, many a times came over and said, "Boy, this is, a, you know, we get you a good car. I'm pretty sure you're gonna be a good racer." But unfortunately, at the end of the year, Bob Graf went in a different direction, and um, um, I believe he went with Freddie Graves in '69. In a little bit, Jack Murphy drove the car and you know they end up selling the car to dick Jarrett out of mexico but that's a long the story 80 but, car yeah you know after that he you know he, he went and drove nick virgo's car which is you know they had a pontiac and it went nowhere and it was just one junker after another
1: isn't that the, the one he bought I, I, at one point the 23 didn't he buy that Wasn't that to his first his he 68 bought car that,
4: yeah he bought that and he turned it to 68 yeah and, okay you now we had we had you know five six kids in our family and and, and, and you know, couldn't afford a tire, let alone a race car. And, yeah. I said, you know, I I got so frustrated. I said to my father, saying, Dad, I said, Dad, I can't do it. I can't work on it. <laughs> you know, he went he went in the Hermie Graf gave him the C15, you know, with, first time he was so excited, first time he was going to have a Chevrolet motor yeah. and finally say oh, it could get on the straightaway, and the car was such junk that um, I refused to work on it. And actually, Jimmy Isaac stayed and worked with him, but I told my father, I can't do it. If wow. I can't, don't feel like I got a half a shake going to the racetrack. I'm not going. I'm, I quit working on it at that year. I just didn't go to track with them and told them I said I'm sick of working on junk and that's all you're going to do is drive junk and you're going to look like junk.
1: Tell you what, the times that, that um, you know, I can remember him, he had some pretty good runs um, off and on, at least, for, um, yeah. for in the 37 car and in the 59 yeah. a couple times for June. Uh, and then Again,
4: he drove the 37 with a Buick motor. Yeah. That had 150 horse less than everybody else at the track. Wow. I mean, you know, just Freddie Gray's had the car, had a Chevrolet, and it ran really well. When Freddie left, the motor left. They put a homemade, oh. you know, Bill Marsh didn't have no money, he was a farmer, great, great guy, you know, made his own yeah. heads, made his own injection. I mean, the guy made everything for the motor, and he actually for, he he forged his own pistons. That's how smart he was. Oh, wow. Yeah, but the motor was still, still you know, I don't know, 383 or whatever it was, Buick wow. or whatever it was, but it was still, still, you know, they were on 454s and 427s and with strokers at the time, and he's running, you know, 400-horsepower motor against guys that had 700. Yeah. It's just crazy. I said, then what are we doing here? I I couldn't take it.
1: You could tell that uh, he had the ability. You know, and yep. and just didn't uh, always have the equipment in that in that car that you uh, you guys built the O eight yep. there. That was yep. just a beautiful car, and I'll never forget the night he went dropped under the eighteen second barrier. I literally, yep. when they announced it, I stood up and cheered. It was like, you know, because yep. your dad and my dad both worked at Niagara Mohawk, so. You know yep. i your dad whenever I would talk to him he he knew who I was and was just super yep. nice to me, so you know as one of those drivers you know that you watch and you always want to see do well and gosh he he got a hundred percent out of everything he drove, but uh just you know just never had the i think if he'd had the kind of equipment that you know he got at the end of his career earlier in his career, he would have had a whole different career
4: oh absolutely would have had a different career he just you know if you if you're so far behind. And you get in a car that bad, it's just not you can't make gold working with silver, yeah you know what I mean it, it just um just it was crazy, I mean his whole career was just driving junk, but he had a love for the sport and worked for anybody and everybody for nothing, yeah, and always gave more than what he got,
1: yep he sure did yeah he he built uh, built a couple cars for people and um yeah. yeah i remember don haas that was a nice car well, that he built don well you know it's stupid well, don wasn't really i don't think at the time ready for the car but um nope. but he uh you know no. it, it was a nice looking piece for sure um now i heard a story a while back and i want to want to ask you, you you people say things and half the time you don't know if it's truth or fiction so i'm going to throw it out there and you can because i think it's a fu- it's a funny story if it is is true i heard somebody told me a while back that back when your dad had the virgo car um i think it was probably the last maybe the last year he had it or whatever he and your mom went away for a weekend and you sort of just (laughs) decided you want uh, you're laughing this must be a true story you took the car went to fulton is that true
4: well here's what happened me and jimmy (laughs) isaac we were in high school i was 16 years old you know back then everybody went to broadwell's when you were 14 yeah. But we were drinking Friday night at Broadwell's. The more we drank, I said, you know, Jimmy, I think we should just take that car up. I mean, what can we do that he hasn't done to it? So he says, I mean, are you serious? I go, yeah, meet me at the garage at 8 o'clock. Let's load the thing up. So we <laughs> loaded it up, took the full. We got there, and it says, um, where's your father? I said, oh, he's coming. He's coming. Just We want to park down to the end. Send us all the way down to the end of the drag strip. So I got his uniform on, got his helmet on, went out and raced the thing. (laughs) You you raced
1: it as Jim Muldoon?
4: Yep, yep, (laughs) we raced, yep, 16 years old.
1: How did Jim Muldoon do that night?
4: Um, That was my first race. I I remember we finished like, I don't know, 12th, 13th, and I got out of the car. I said to Jimmy, I said, this motor's junk. I said, step out! I feel like I'm driving the pickup truck up here. i I told him i said you give
1: me a motor in this thing we'll be all right
4: that's when i realized i could race
1: that's pretty funny i see i heard that a while back and i've always wondered if it was true it was a true story it's It's a pretty pretty funny story i didn't really i didn't hear the part though about you raced it under your dad's name i just heard you up there yeah (laughs) put
4: his stuff on got in the car i said wait till everybody gets out there we'll start in the back and
1: yeah. Now was, what was what did your race. parents say when they found out cuz you obviously no, could Father kept never her. said nothing he said you know
4: how was it <laughs> if you give me a car, Dan. I say I'm going to win these things.
1: Well, just laugh. You, uh, it wasn't too many years after that. I don't think uh, that you no. you did get a car. And I remember when you bought Eddie's car, and and I thought, wow, if you're going <laughs> to if to drive, buy a first car, there's a good one to buy. Um, why that yep. one was 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 there a particular reason you picked that one, or was just the best available, or what was?
4: Um, uh, me and Jimmy walked to the pits, and I could have bought a race car when I was 18. 18 years old. I mean, I worked for the power plant. I had the money, Okay. but but point is, I said to Jimmy, I said, N- until we can really do it halfway right, we're not going to race, and I, I never bought a car for um until I was 20, almost 23 years old. Okay.
2: And, and, I was thinking you started, started I younger sat than sat there that.
4: and watched for five years, and finally, I went and bought. At that time, I was buying houses, and I probably bought five or six apartment houses between that period. Oh, wow. And I said to Jimmy, I said, okay, now we got a little bit of money, not much, but a little bit and I looked at his, and I looked at Johnny Spencer's, which was for sale, and, and the more I looked at Eddie's, the simpler it was, and I said, you know what, I don't really know, you know, I know a little bit from my father, but the bottom line is, you want something simple, and uh, that's, you know, and at the time, I, I paid Eddie $12,500 for a car in 1983, which I think they're selling for today. Yeah, wow. I paid him good money, paid him good money, and then went to buy a motor, and me and Jimmy Isaac went and bought a stock block from Ray Moore's stock Chevrolet crank rods and pistons. Went up to Napa and bought the valves and put in the heads. I mean, the motor was just completely junk because that's all I could afford. And that's what I ran the first
1: year. And, Christ, by the end of the year, I almost won a feature. I was going to say, you uh, you got better and better as the year went on. You were a pretty quick pretty quick yep. study, as Eddie, I recall. Eddie got me on a
4: restart later in the year with about 10 laps to go, or I would have won a feature. Yeah, yeah.
1: okay. Yeah, that's... Uh... Yeah.
4: And he had a quarter-inch stroker motor, and I got... I got a junker. <laughs> well, that was... Uh, the only th- thing I had was a good injection. My mother and father were really good friends with, with Jimmy and Leona, and my mother called Leona and says, you know, Mike needs an injection. She says, well, Jimmy had sent it out to Crower to have it rebuilt, and she, um, she says, you know what, I, you know, Jimmy would want Michael to have it. Why don't you just come up and pay the rebuild on the injection, which I think at the time was like 600 bucks. Oh, so wow. she gave us she gave us the injection for the... For the cost of having it rebuilt, so that's that was the only thing that was really good on the whole motor was an injection.
1: Wow, and that yep. was that was '82. So Jimmy was Jimmy was getting, he was he was uh, he was. That was the year that he was. Um, no, he had come back in the '80. That was the year he was in the '89, wasn't it?
4: Yep. I bought the injection. And Jimmy passed away there, and at the end of the year, yeah, and I started yeah. racing. It okay, in '83. In yeah. Yeah. so it was just sitting in her garage and and then my mother called she said this okay there. so yeah oh
1: that's right because that all happened at the end of 82 you ran the last race yeah I yeah I used Eddie's motor. And, and ran the last race. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, um and you know, I mean, you you had obviously you progressed to the point where you started building cars and I got to tell you you built you and Jimmy and and the group built some of the most beautiful cars. Um the craftsmanship and and just all of it. I mean, what got you into building? Yeah. <laughs> you learned couldn't afford
4: to buy anything. Okay. He wanted to make, and I never made the bodies for 20 years. Poked, poked in my bodies. I mean, i oh, okay. was So good at it. I never made a body panel until Michael started racing. Oh wow. You know, he, yeah, he did my. I didn't realize that for my whole career. And then when Michael raced, he did it for like a year or so, and then he, he gave it up because you know it's a long ride here to Syracuse, 30 miles, and you know can't blame him. It's a long trip, and he, you know, forced Michael to make it. So Michael's been making him ever since. But he did, he did pretty much my whole career.
1: That's awesome. Now what um when you when you when we when you got to eighty four, what what made you guys decide to build your your daddy car with he just was he well,
4: I, I told him I said if you don't have a decent car, I mean we basically took Eddie's car and and pretty much copied it. It yeah. changed a few things here and there, but pretty much pretty much copied it. I mean we changed some things that I, I, I changed when I actually, when I bought Eddie's car, I started changing a few little things here and there, torque arm. You know, nothing nothing with the frame or anything. Right. Just some different. My father wanted a longer front axle and, you know, just some odds and ends. But he finally, my mother worked two jobs. He worked. And finally, you know, it was a two-year deal where he could, you know, we got 50 bucks. We can spend 50 bucks this week. And over a two-year period, he finally got enough money to get the car on the truck. Oh, ah, Okay. By the time he got the car on the track, it was, you know, pretty much his he was so crippled with arthritis that he couldn't even hang on to Is the Is that chair. what he
1: had was arthritis? Yeah, I knew he had something, yeah, he, but he couldn't, he couldn't remember.
4: I mean his fingers are going different directions, his oh. feet are swollen and you know, I, I don't even know how he raced to be honest with you, but you know he because he wanted to race again. He him loved for it that year, much.
1: You know, <laughs> That's yep. he loved it that much, and and uh, it was fun to see him run as fast as he did. And I, I remember, I think it was was, was it in '84? He he almost won the B Main for the Classic. No,
4: it, well, he got in the race in the first lap. Tommy Leeson decided driving three and forgot he doesn't know when to let off on the gas and just plowed into him, and pushed him up to the fence. That's the what it was. Ripped okay, ripped the front axle out of the car. You know, just. Just so stupid, it made me sick. My mother's sitting there crying, oh. saying, you know, where the hell did this guy learn how to drive? I mean, it's the first lap of the race. Yeah. And, and there was a heat race, which I think they took, I don't know, four or six cars. My father was on the pole, and Tommy's in behind him. He went drove in three. He never left it. Just, just, just plowed in the side of the car, and then he never left it until he hit the wall. Mm. He backed away and went and raced. My father's done for the weekend. Man. Crazy. Just crazy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, uh,
4: that's that's one of those deals where you just wonder. Now you know why the guy wrecked all the time. I mean, just
1: you know, I, I more I raced the more I figured people out. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, yeah. And you were, I mean, you were still you were racing. Uh, when you started, I mean, you know, Bentley was still there, and Ordway, and Allbritton, and all Darrow and I mean, yeah, anyway. it was that was a tough era. I mean, when you when you ran up front and won a feature in that time, you yep. had accomplished something.
4: Take a look at 1990. I lost the track championship by one point. Gozick was one point behind me in third. Yeah, I mean you—you you look 90. You want to race? Back then we talked about it. There was 14 guys, in that field it had won a race. Yep. I mean, you're talking—you're talking. Joy was in his prime. Bellinger's in his prime. Ordway, Russ Wood, Mike Ordway, Bentley Warren. Yep. Dave McKnight, uh, Gary Morton. Cliff Graves, um, I know I'm missing people. Joe oh, yeah. Cozis, I yeah. Mean, there, there, there's, there's, uh, there was you know, Randy Ritskus. Yep. Mean, I mean, there was 14, 15 guys, and you went home, you finished in the top five back then, you go, whoa. You almost felt like you won the race. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was uh that was a great time to be a fan and uh oh, yeah. you know oh, yeah. and I I started doing the media thing in 88 and, and and just it was fun to to cover that era because you guys were just that was a it was brutal every week you know who was yeah. going to who was yep. going to win. Um you do you, what do you, I mean you obviously traveled to other tracks besides Oswego. What were some of your tracks? The tracks that you went to out of town that you most enjoyed running at? No, well, I'd like to go on that
4: Michigan swing with uh, Kalamazoo and Berlin. That was um, two nice tracks and nice weekend. I mean, just you go to a small bull ring, and then the next day you went over to Berlin where you ran almost wide open all the way yeah. down. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because I just talked about one of the the years that I that I went on that. I was announcing for Isma that year. I don't I don't remember if it was 93 or 94, but it, I was just talking about those that swing and those two tracks and, and uh, how much fun I had with the crowd at Berlin that night.
4: Oh, um, they loved it.
1: Though. Those were great tracks. I, I, they had to wait to hold the race up because people were still coming in. There was no seating. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the night I was there, it was standing room only. They had people hanging on the that's fence. That's where the Super Modifieds
4: were born, in Michigan, yep. out that way. Yep. And those people those people really loved their Supers out there.
1: Yeah, how much fun were the early days? I mean, you went through it with your dad as, as kind of a, you know, a racer's kid. How much fun were the early days when it got to classic weekend? You'd have 50 or 60 cars in the pits. How amazing was that?
4: Yeah, I was just talking about it with my son the other day. I said, you know. There used to be 55, 60 cars yeah Race started. There was 20 cars sitting in the pits watching those 40 guys.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 40, not 32, yep. but 40, you know what I mean? And you never knew who was coming in and yep. and who was driving what sometimes until the weekend. Yep. So, yep. there were always so, those surprises. That was those were fun days.
4: I told my son, back when I was in high school, the camping, there wasn't a spot for camper on that it was just one big party from Thursday to Sunday.
1: Yeah yeah it was amazing i mean that 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 period of time um really? you know in in the sport as a whole really not just the supers but um right. you know it's it certainly this we that was a period of time that you'll just never see again you know no, you, you just no. it's uh but for those of us who were blessed enough to live it it was pretty spectacular um mm-hmm. obviously as we got into the 90s you and Didero were, were, were t- basically for a couple of years it was one or the other of you um those battles were were so spirited what what do you remember about running with doug in, in that that period of time
0: well
4: it was basically who got to the front first yeah and i knew i had to trap him in behind somebody because most of the time he wouldn't go outside so i knew I, I had to catch him when he caught somebody and hopefully box him in which you know it happened a few times and a few times he he got me yeah. you know what i mean it was it was pretty much back and forth pretty much even battle you know but it was um it was pretty epic you know i mean it just yeah, it was you, you you knew you knew it it was your guy you know and he probably knew and if he didn't get to the front before me, he wasn't going by me either. You
1: know what I mean? Yeah, I mean here again, it, you get those those rivalries only at certain moments. You know, you you um, obviously they you got you two weren't the only two that were capable of winning in those times, but you were certainly the two that seemed to be around each other the most, and the two that won the most, and everybody talked about the most, and it became sort of a, a rivalry. You know, the Champagne Swift kind of thing. Um, you know, and and uh, it, it was an awful a lot of fun to watch Uh, you know and and of course you were still turning out cars and um, you know sometimes had two or three cars at any one time boy for a while you guys are running three cars pretty regularly later in your career yeah it
4: just got too much, too much work, too much I wondered about that
1: you know I just sit in the grandstand you just kind of go wow that just seems like a lot of effort
4: (laughs) yeah it is I mean my son's making two cars right now and you know it's just you know, just basically, he's doing pretty much all the work himself, and you know, it's just—it's way too much work for what you get out of it now. You know what I mean?
1: Well, yeah. Well, that's—you know—I could see where you certainly would 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 say that. Um, he he obviously came up through the quarter midgets, and I mean, did you did you pretty much know when he was younger that eventually he was going to probably want to race at Oswego?
4: Well, I was hoping he didn't, to be honest. But he raced a couple <laughs> years in the quarter midget and. You know, it just—it's not a good experience. Just the parents are fighting all the time. Oh yeah, it's it's and bad. The kids are having a good time, but the nine, nine out of ten of the parents were racing instead of the kids were racing. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah. And it got to the point, and he he raced two years, and he was winning. And I said, Michael, are you re- you having fun? He goes, No. And so I I came home, sold all sold everything. He only oh, raced wow. a year or two, and I just said, You know, it's about having fun. If you're not having fun, we're not we're not going to go. Right. So. I sold everything. I said, you know, maybe later in life, I said, and you decide you want to race, we'll go someplace where the parents, you know, aren't, aren't so controlling, you know, right. it just, um, it, it got, it got too much, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, well, eventually you found that place where the parents weren't so controlling, and uh, to Oswego he came, and, um, you know, again, I I feel like every year he raced there, he's gotten better, and now he's obviously um, a winner and as much a contender as anybody else when he's on the track. What's it like for you as a dad to, uh, I I know you're obviously part of the team, but what's it like for you as a dad to watch Michael doing, uh, doing the thing that you did growing up and your dad did growing up?
4: No, not much. I mean, we have a lot of conversations about his driving, and, you know, I try to guide him in the right way. And, you know, pretty much, you know, you can't turn the wheel and you can't push the gas pedal. So, you know, it's kind of like a learning curve. You got to, you got to, got to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody's their own person. And, you know, it's like Eddie and his kid. I'm, you know, nothing against his kid, but, you know, he doesn't drive like Eddie, and my son doesn't drive like me. Well, sure. Yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> it's just how it is.
1: Well, and uh, you know, I guess, I suppose, a different time, and and they're different people. Obviously, everybody has yep. their own personality, and you gotta, you know, you kind of gotta use what you have more or less you know the exactly. no two people are 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 alike but uh is is he planning to run uh both a swiggo and ismo kind of a split deal or what is well
4: we really have not given it much thought because he took a new job out to the plant and he's working oh he did 12 hour days and he's going to school for a year and a half to be a nuclear operator so oh don't no kidding i didn't put know that crunch on everything this year and um, he just haven't had enough time to work on the car. I mean, he made the frame, two frames last year, and he's been, you know, tinkering with it. But unless he really gets putting some solid hours in here, I'd be very shocked if he got opening day. But you never know with him. He, uh, He's a smart kid, and he decides to do it. I'm sure he can figure it out.
1: He is a smart kid, and he's a good kid. You should be proud of him. You did a yep. did a good job yep. with him, man. You and you and his mom. It's uh, that's a great. It's fun to see the second generation. It's even more fun when you get to the third. And you know, I've said to people a lot uh i feel like for such a when you consider that the oswego group as a whole is such a small concentration of racers at any one time it's amazing how many second and third generation um drivers you've had over the years that are that are that are racing there it's a very um when they say racing's a family sport i feel like oswego is big time family um because you see so much of that and if 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 you know, maybe it's not somebody's son, but like with Keith Champagne, it's, it's Jimmy's nephew or it's, you know, right. and so you see a lot of that, that generational, uh, stuff going on there. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it was great to see Michael get started. And, you know, I, I know I always enjoy seeing him race and, uh, hope we get to see him a few times at the big O this year.
4: Yeah. Well, I, I, I really don't know what his plans are. You know, I think first he's got to get the car done and then he'll decide, but, He's hoping to get it done in May, and we could go test with a wing somewhere because he really likes running ISMA. Yep. And um, you know, he made the car that, so it could race ISMA or a Swiggle. That was his goal. Oh, so okay. Could, that was you know the biggest thing. He made some changes on these cars so he could change them really quick, and he can run both ways. That would be great. Yeah. So that's that was his goal on making this car. He made some different changes, and so he's he tried to make you know everybody makes an ISMA car or a Swiggle car, so they say. Yeah. But basically a super, they can go both ways. And if they didn't, then you didn't make something right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's like Hawksby's car runs good at his swiggo and it hasn't really done a lot, but Otto started running last year and the more he ran, the better he got. So, I mean, I'm sure if he raced Strictly Isma for a couple, two or three years, that he'd figure it out too. Sure. But, uh, you Wait. know. To make one car for just one one series is
1: crazy. You know what I mean? You look at somebody uh, like Jeff Abel, and you know he went one yeah, of the star he cars. He's, yeah, been, he's able been great, to, star. Yeah.
4: And I'm sure if he ran Isma full time, I mean, he'd figure it out, and he'd be a threat on every night, every night.
1: Yeah, there's another. Speaking of second generations, there's another. No, I'm just saying, you know, has <laughs> been, that been have. around long enough, yeah.
4: and just like I have, and I'm sure. If they ran just strictly Isma with that car, they'd all wish he probably didn't come. Do Trust you me.
1: do you miss driving?
4: No, not really. No, not really. I mean, I had my day, and just after a while, I just you know move aside and let him enjoy it. And how long he races, I have no idea. But you know, it just once in a while, I got in the car down the star last year and kind of kind of rekindle it. And I told my son, I said, you know. I'm you get that second car maybe i'll race with you at star this year you know because i've got plates in my neck and my back and, ah. and i'm sure if something happened i wrecked i'd be in big trouble so that's right. the reason i mean star being small it's enough not, it's not worth it you know what i mean yeah. but maybe a small track i told him that you're going 80 miles an hour 90 that's what you're going at star you know it'd be pretty safe yeah
1: well that would so, be fun
4: well, yeah i'm gonna get in the car and test it when we go down there this year but you know, I don't know if we'll have a race again, but I like getting in there and testing it. Well,
1: it's fun, and yeah. you know, I'm sure uh, it's 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 fun that you know, as you said, I suppose you might have rather had Michael do something different, but yet at the same time, um, again, it's a family, it's been a family sport for how long for the Muldoons, and and you get to have all that time with your son.
4: Yeah, I've been going to track since, like I said, 1968. So we're talking
1: better part of, I don't know, 52 years. Wow that's amazing that's it's uh, a long time and uh, you know it's uh, the Muldoon family is certainly one of uh, at least I consider the Muldoon family to be one of the the first families in the in the aspect of you know how long that you you all have been a part of Oswego and um, certainly a part of my experience going there from your dad to you and now to Michael so um, you know it's fun to take the time to sit and talk to you a little bit and and have you kind of recount your dad's career a little bit and and just reminisce with us and geez it'd be great to see you get back out there at star and run a little bit and have some fun but you know i know it it probably gets harder every year that you don't do it because you know age gets to a point where it it catches up with everybody right and then you just get to a point where you probably shouldn't get in it
4: yeah i'm sure that comes i mean but you look at Joe Gozik, he's in shape. And yeah. He's as competitive today as he was yeah. 10 years ago.
1: And, he's, and he started doing the dirt stuff. It's like he's mm-hmm. he's expanding yep. his horizons.
4: Yeah. <laughs> like, well, and, and, you know, if you stay on top of it like he does and you don't take time off, I'm sure he's just as good this year as he was going to be last year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Same way with Bentley. I mean, Bentley, you know, he was pretty good right up until the time he quit. You know what
3: I mean?
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I think Bentley, Bentley had some situ- had some issues with you know the the breath and breathing and all that when he yeah, got out. He drove think-
4: for me '95 Classic, and he and he had me go out and set the car up, and I went out and ran a I don't know, maybe a 16-7, yeah. six. Yep. He got in the car and went out and ran maybe like a 17-1, Yeah. Two and, I said, no, I said, Bentley, the car's perfect. What do you want me to do? He goes, I- I'm not 50 no more. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think you guys, I think he came from an era where the cars yes, drove a little different. Around. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was he always, said to me, you know, me and the
4: Duro were too smooth for him. That's why he couldn't get either one of our cars <laughs> at all
1: yeah and, and I mean, you know, after a while, it becomes because it is a program thing, right driving a race yeah. car, so it becomes hard to adapt yep. so quickly you know mm-hmm. um yeah it's that's, not that's the difference that's you know? the difference. but yeah you and you yeah. had it it 's funny when I think about it now that you mentioned Bentley driving for you and, and I start thinking about. Gosh, Steve Joya, Jamie Moore, Gozik of course won for you a couple times and and you know you had a number of drivers in your cars over there Davey um you know how how much fun for you w- was it as an owner to have a driver win obviously I I know you always wanted to win yourself but it had to be a sense of pride when when at least if you could win one of your one of your cars did yeah if
4: you if you're in your race and you don't win, it doesn't matter what the other car did. To be honest with you. Oh, okay.
1: So you doesn't matter for you. It was still a loss. Yeah, it doesn't uh, matter. I get it. Yeah, I get you it. Know,
4: it's just how it is, you know.
1: I get it. Well, uh certainly I've enjoyed taking some time with you today and and uh I know that uh you guys are trying to get the two cars done. I hope that uh you know Mike's able to get out at some point early in the season, but certainly um you know hopefully we'll see him later in the year if if not. And uh yeah. well, man the uh, goal is to get to opening
4: day, but good. you know like I said uh, that's only about what 7 8 weeks away now.
1: <laughs> it's hard to believe as that is. Um, yeah, car's still sitting right. there.
4: Nothing's been, you know, we still got a lot of work to do on it. He hasn't even powder-coated the frame. We're still making wings, front wings, top wings, back wings. I mean, he's got a lot of work to do in seven weeks, but I've seen him, you know, put his head down. He's, he's a good fabricator. You know, he's, he's yeah. smart. Nothing's wasted. Every move's calculated, and I'm pretty sure if he puts his mind to it that he'll make opening day if he really wants to.
1: He's learned the craft well, for sure. Yeah,
4: he's a great fabricator. Yep,
1: absolutely. Yep, the cars are beautiful, for sure. Uh, Well, again, we appreciate your time, Mike. Thanks an awful lot, and uh, look forward to uh, seeing you at the track at some point during the season, and, uh, you know, we'll uh, maybe get you on a little later in the year once uh, Mike starts rolling a little bit. It'd be fun to have him on, too. I'll have to get a hold of him and uh, make arrangements to get him on one of these shows and talk. Okay. It was great talking to you. All right, Mike. Thanks a lot. That was Mike Muldoon, and uh, geez, another great interview. Really enjoyed talking with Mike, and and you know, I I think all the time about the old days because I guess you you get to a certain point, and that's that's where your mind goes, I suppose. Um, and that magic time with his dad, and and as Mike said, not always you know in front running equipment, but gosh, Jimmy Muldoon was an awful lot of fun to watch, and he always gave it hundred percent, and. You know, the key point Mike made is is what I always think about with with Jim as well is how much he did for other people and the time that he took to try and help them with their efforts. And, uh you know, and of course, Mike, a spectacular career in the super modifieds and um you know, and now Michael trying to follow in his footsteps uh, in a, a obviously a much different time in the sport uh, with the newer style cars and all of that, so uh, all of that uh, is is awesome and, and again, thanks to Mike, um, want to mention one thing before we close this show up um, because i 'm not sure a lot of you are aware. I know that within our audience of super modified fans, a lot of you are also fans of the modified class. And uh, we are about uh, four episodes in, I think, to um, a new podcast that we've added to the Race Chaser lineup on a weekly basis called Mainly Modifieds. Uh, and... That is a show that I do with Kyle Souza, who's a New England modified insider, happens to be uh, a protege of mine. Uh, Jacob Seelman and I, when we were uh, working the Race Chaser website, uh, doing all the the stories and everything back in the early period of Race Chaser four or five years ago, Um kyle was one of our proteges and came on and and really kind of honed his craft with us and has gone on to do some cool things worked with nascar the last couple years as their uh home tracks modified tour pr director and this year is uh working with thompson speedway as their pr and stafford and um doing some other things with some of the other modified series up there um So a little different uh, assignment for for Kyle this year. But he and I got together over the offseason and decided that we wanted to put this together. So we're doing a modified podcast. And that one comes out on Tuesday nights uh, as, uh, of course, this show is the Wednesday night release that we do each week. So we've kind of gotten to where we now have almost a full week. Where we have one new show coming out every night, so Monday nights is our first live show of the week race chaser live show we lap it's called, and that's a show that can kind of go in a number of different directions, but we we're trying to do more of the Carolinas region uh coverage with that particular show, but we do cover some national stuff and sometimes we'll branch off and and you know do some other things uh divisions that um you know are folks that we think are interesting and and uh maybe we'll you know a nascar driver that we want to get on but can't make a tuesday or thursday show we just uh move them to monday um so it's kind of a variety show but it's mostly carolina's regional dirt and pavement is where we're headed with that and then tuesday nights um is the premiere uh, every week of the newest episode of mainly modifieds with kyle and i and uh, we are going to have driver guests on that show as well not not just the nascar wheel and tour either we're going to cover um all of the modified series in new england and uh roc and um and and even some of the other payment series up there in new england uh pro stock stuff and and all of that so it's uh but that's why we call it mainly modifieds because we we are focusing on modifieds mainly but uh we we do expand out as well and cover some other stuff on that show and um so that's Tuesday night. Again, we shoot for seven o'clock uh, to have that uploaded and ready for download. Uh, Wednesday night is, of course, this show, Inside Groove. Thursday night. Uh, is our big show that's our flagship show Motorsports Madness with Jacob Seelman and uh, myself and uh, Jacob and I and Randy Miller host that show and that is the show that uh, airs live on Thursday nights but is syndicated out on the weekends to um, the uh, American Forces radio network we're on Sirius XM uh, Dan Patrick channel 211 on Saturday nights at 7 Uh, We've got about 30 affiliates across the country for that show, AMFM and and all the top digitals. Um, So that is our right now, our final new show of the week. Um, So we're Friday night. We kind of kept open because obviously uh, I'm traveling or at a racetrack or wherever. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, there's a different new show every night. And the reason I bring all this up is twofold. First, I wanted to let all of you know that the modified show existed. Um and in case you wanted to uh start following that show as well. And secondly, because we are very close now to uh having the new race chaser online site up um been back and forth actually with uh the the designer a couple of times today they're still finishing up some things with the archives uh we of course accumulated about five years worth of uh, archive or six years worth of archive stuff stories and photos and videos and all of that so um working on what they need to do to transfer that over and and all of that make make all the links match. So it's been a much deeper project than we anticipated, but um, we are, I can I think I can safely say that uh, we're probably about a week away. Uh, if we don't sneak it out uh, before the end of this week, it should be certainly sometime early next week. Once that site is online, you will literally be able to go straight to the race chaser online website. And rather you want to hear a show that's airing live Or you just want to hear this show on demand or whatever. All of the shows live and on demand are going to be accessible right at that site. So you won't need to worry about whether... Uh, You can access SoundCloud or whether, you know, we'll still make them obviously available on our RSS feed. Uh, So if you're into Spotify or TuneIn or Apple Music or Google or whatever, where you get your other music and you want to hear them, you can keep getting them that way. But it just will make it simple. If you want to hear anything that Race Chaser does in terms of audio shows, you can just go straight to the website, and it's easily accessible. We'll have a live player on our homepage. We'll have another one on the shows page. And then all the each, each uh, group of shows has its own archive. So you just scroll down. If you miss a show, it'll be there for you. Um, it's going to make uh, life a lot easier and uh, make promoting the shows a lot easier. So uh, we would like to develop a situation where much like you go to, um, you know, ESPN to watch ESPN programming, we'd love for you to go to the race chaser site and and listen to race chaser uh, shows. So um, we're just going to start putting the site link out there and saying, here's where they are. Here's who's coming up. We'll have a calendar on the main page so you'll know who's coming up on the shows through the week as much as we have them, you know, booked ahead. Sometimes, especially with this show, it becomes very much a last minute kind of situation um schedules don't match or they get changed and you know we we try to keep i try to keep a calendar of guests i know are coming for two or three weeks out but um it's not always an exact science with this particular show um but um or the modified show for that matter but with our live shows especially we're usually booked three to four weeks out so we try to we're going to keep a calendar up there you'll know what's coming up we've got a lot of great hosts involved now. We've got we we talked to some really cool drivers. Um we're all about telling stories. That's what I'm building the race chaser brand around is stories. You know, we're you'll get results, but we're mostly interested in people and stories and having fun and good old fashioned racing radio coverage. So if you're going on a trip And, you know, you just want to hear racing stuff. Well, just dial up Race Chaser online. And, oh, by the way, there will be an app that's coming out. We're going to have our own Race Chaser radio app soon. Um, so, again, you'll be able to just, uh, you know, play, play it in your car or whatever. And um, you'll have shows galore to listen to. We do five new ones a week, and we're adding a racer safety podcast uh, coming up starting, hopefully, in April. We're uh, putting the finishing touches on the format and trying to uh, organize that as we speak. So we're, we're shooting for an April launch time. That's going to be a monthly for now. But um, some great safety topics. We're going try to try to kind of crisscross the industry um, talk about track safety you know barriers driver safety gear all that sort of thing Um, you know we want this to be educational we want people to understand what is required and why you know drivers should be doing what they should be doing safety wise uh, but also just to hear about the science and and the engineering behind a lot of it and uh, and get some Some conversation going, hopefully, to try uh, in our own small way to uh, have some sort of influence on um, making the sport as a whole. Safer, And we'll tell you more about that as that show comes together. Uh, it's going to be a, a fun show for me to do. Uh, I'm not sure of the length. It'll probably, again, much like this show tends to be an hour to two hours and the modified show an hour to an hour and a half. Same deal here, probably an hour a week um, to start. But uh, we don't time them. So, uh, you know, we try to, because we will now have a programmable uh, digital space on the website where we can just um, have shows playing all the time. Uh, we are going to try to make make the shows as you know as even as possible if it 's an hour an hour and a half or whatever but we 're also going to um, put smaller interviews into that mix. So if I go to the track and do a 10 minute interview with a driver or whatever, we're going to put those into the, uh, the weekly, um, broadcast lineup, so to speak on race chaser radio. And again, the player will be right on the site and, uh, uh, anytime you want to click on it and hear what's going on, you'll be able to, the shows will rotate and we'll have new, uh, new audio, um, throughout each week and weekend as we uh, can get it up there and get it into the mix. So, um, it's going to be an exciting thing for me and I wanted, again, I wanted all of you to know that that was coming up. Because I know some of you have a hard time, you know, getting the show or whatever. We're just going to make it easy. It's all going to be right there on the website and you'll be able to get our other programming too. And we hope you'll support that as well. Because again, um, it gives you a chance to get to know some of the drivers, for example, that you see in the NASCAR races. We interview a lot of the up and comers and, uh, you know, ARCA, KNN. Well, I guess it's all ARCA now, but, um, you know we try to we we try to keep you um a little more informed as to who they are and you know why should you care about them and so um Look forward to uh, all of that. Again, that should be in the next uh, week or so, for sure, uh, that that site, newly revised site or newly built site launches. So uh, we'll still be tweaking on it once it's live. Probably there's still a few things that um, it won't have that will eventually come into play. But we want to at least make sure all the features that we need to work are working and um you know have it uh, well enough so we feel like we can put it out there and then we'll uh we'll kind of just keep improving it as we go. So thanks to all of you who uh take time to listen to this and um if you're still listening after that <laughs> thank you again especially. Have a great week everybody and thanks of course to our sponsors Jeff West uh ipcindy.com Indy Performance Composites uh if you need anything fabricated Jeff is the guy to do it. Just go visit the website and. And uh, and and talk to him about whatever you need in that line. JNS Paving, of course, uh, up in the Oswego, Oswego County area. Um, you know, let him know again if you need your driveway done or whatever. Um, Rich Worth is is a great supporter of, of Oswego Speedway and particularly, obviously, the SBS and 350 divisions this year, but also the title sponsor now of the 350 class, and that's awesome. So, uh, congratulations, um, and thank you to rich worth for stepping up uh and helping the 350 division to get a boost and uh also uh skips fish fry of course the best fish in the oswego area uh and just sean is a good friend and and uh you know again when you're in town uh go get yourself a fish or uh, one of his other delicacies it's all really really good with that as always Thank you so much for listening. Have a great weekend, and we will talk to you next time on
0: Inside Groove. So long. You've been listening to Inside Groove, powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com. Inside Groove is a Race Chaser Media production.